Welcome back to the Reggie and Royal podcast. As we left episode 1, the seventh layer, we asked the question, what is a dolphin fin dog doing up in a tree? As the North American Bitcoin conference in early June, thousands descended on Miami to glorify Bitcoin, right along with a shitcoin 2021 conference nearby, on 3 and 4th of June. Since the start of the pandemic, this was the largest Bitcoin event in the world, as well as the first major in-person crypto conference. Featured speakers include Dre Dalio founder of Bridgewater Associates. Tim Draper founder of Draper Associates. Glenn Hutchins, chairman of North Island and North Island Ventures and co-founder of Silver Lake Partners. Michael Saylor CEO of MicroStrategy, an enterprise analytics software firm, as well as a dedicated Bitcoin bull. Max Kaiser of the Kaiser Report. Ray Dalio. The manager of a principle-based approach to people and money with 140 billion US dollars under management in his company Bridgewater Associates. Dario recently made the point that he'd rather own Bitcoin than bonds. Do we need to say more? By showing this logarithmic representation of the yield on the 30-year treasury bond over a 10-year time span, we can show a continuous downward trend within an unmistakable channel of movement. Notice the characteristic pattern of strong downthrusts after each retracement. This is a clearly unfavorable risk-slash-reward ratio. We contrast the bond pattern with a logarithmic representation of Bitcoin, over the same 10-year time span, showing a continuous upward channel of movement. But that isn't all. Also, by contrast to the bond pattern, Bitcoin's characteristic patterns show strong upthrusts after retracements. This is an unmistakable and very favorable risk-slash-reward ratio. A look at the scale to the right gives us an idea of the potential percentages of these upthrust gains. Thus, we find the recent retracement into the current range to be an invitation to participate in this rising market, with low risk, and, with enthusiastic confirmation, ample interest and involvement from leaders on Wall Street. Ray Dalio has claimed to the world's biggest hedge fund firm. According to Forbes magazine, he has a net worth estimated at $15.6 billion. He has referred to himself a professional mistake maker. Perhaps it's that attitude that may be the key to his immense success. Dalio says, success comes from knowing what you don't know, more than coming from what you do know. Nobody has all that's needed to be successful. We need teams. And the teams use something that Dalio calls believability-weighted decision-making. Dalio has revealed that he owns Bitcoin. So far, this ownership represents the closest thing to his endorsement. However, he reiterates his concern that governments, fearing competition from Bitcoin from state monetary systems, could issue a crackdown on its owners. Even though his comments aren't necessarily an endorsement for Bitcoin, Dalio has referred to it as one hell of an invention. In an article, Dalio goes in-depth sharing his personal thoughts of Bitcoin and the future path, such as, if it should be considered as an alternative storehold of wealth. In further analysis, he goes over topics such as Bitcoin's viability as a store of wealth, central bank money printing, global accessibility, purchasing power, diversification of portfolios, regulatory concerns, and much more. How has Dalio's position on Bitcoin changed over time? September 28, 2017, at the Milken Institute. Negative, to positive. Bitcoin is not an effective medium of exchange, as of now. And it's not an effective storehold of wealth. Because of the speculation on Bitcoin and the nature of participants, I would say this is a classic bubble kind of situation. Ray Dalio went to Twitter to publicly express his Bitcoin opinion. In his tweets, he outlines his most recent highlights of his commentaries of Bitcoin made in the Milken Institute breakfast event on September 28, 2017. With emphasis, Ray Dalio affirmed his previously expressed beliefs that open cryptocurrencies, like Bitcoin, 
will likely fail to compete with government-issued currencies. His emphasis is the distinction between the alternative digital currency, like Bitcoin, versus digital currencies that are created by central banks. He also provided three explanations on why cryptocurrency like Bitcoin will fail. 1. Lack of venues that accept cryptocurrencies as a payment method. 2. Too volatile to be considered an effective store of wealth. 3. The success of cryptocurrencies will lead to governments outlawing it. Governments have outlawed gold. What's wrong with gold? Gold was a storehold of wealth. Would I prefer Bitcoin to gold? No. On December 9, 2020, Ray Dalio hosted a plain spoken Reddit Ask Me Anything AMA, session. Reddit users were able to directly engage with Dalio to ask him for his outlook for financial markets, and, on his view of the potential of Bitcoin. This was one of the first times that Dalio began to soften his stance on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. He said that Bitcoin and a few other forms of digital currencies have similarities to gold, in their forms of asset alternatives. Nevertheless, he maintained his stronger preference for holding assets that central banks are also willing to hold, and exchange for value. He reiterated his concerns for the practice of central banks flooding money into the market and lifting of asset prices. I suspect that Bitcoin's biggest risk is being successful, because if it's successful, the government will try to kill it and they have a lot of power to succeed. If a fundamental purpose of a storehold of wealth is to preserve or increase one's purchasing power over time, we think Bitcoin feels more like an option, it remains a highly volatile and speculative asset. Bitcoin looks like a long-duration option on a highly unknown future that I could put an amount of money in that I wouldn't mind losing about 80% of. Bitcoin has proven itself over the last 10 years. It hasn't been hacked. It's by and large, therefore, worked on an operational basis. It has built a significant following. It is an alternative, in a sense, storehold of wealth, it's like a digital cash. And those are the pluses. May 24, 2021, Dalio turns positive, at this time, Dalio expressed concerns of USDD valuation in an interview released in May, for the 2021 Consensus Conference. He issued a warning that the US dollar is on the verge of devaluation to a level going back 50 years, and, that the greenback's role as the world's reserve currency is being threatened by outside interests particularly China. In that environment, the attractiveness of Bitcoin as a savings vehicle is loud and clear, as in other interviews, Dalio also revealed here that he owns some Bitcoin. Him owning Bitcoin represents the closest thing to an endorsement from him to date. However, he reiterated his concern that governments, fearing competition from Bitcoin to state monetary systems, could crack down on its owners. Next is Tim Draper, founder of Draper Associates, DFJ, Draper University, according to Draper. Bitcoin will reach $250,000 by the beginning of 2023. Tim Draper is a big-time venture capitalist and staunch Bitcoin believer with an estimated crypto net worth of between $350 and $500 million. In 2014 he bought nearly 30,000 Bitcoins for an estimated $29 million. According to his predictions, Bitcoin will be worth $250,000 by 2022. Following the recent market crash, we caught up with him and found he was as bullish as ever. Here's what he said, I'm looking at this as just a fluctuation that moves up and down. I'm sure there are people trying to move the market and manipulate the currency, and, I'm sure there are bankers that are loving it when things are going down for crypto, because hey, they control all your fiat currency. But I think that this is just a natural occurrence. There is a lot of volatility when there's a new player in the business, in any business. And in this case it's such an enormous market that I think any dips like this create a great opportunity for people to start becoming users of the currency of the future, the cryptocurrencies, 
not the ones that are tied to political forces. You don't pay the credit card guys 2.5 to 4%. You're not tied to some central bank determining how much money is out there in the system. You don't know how much inflation is going to take away. I have a pretty good idea that the Bitcoin price in 2022 or 2023 is going to be about $250,000, and that'll be two things at work. One is that the dollar will decrease in value relative to crypto. And the other is that Bitcoin will take a larger and larger market share of all currency around the world. I think of institutions as penguins slowly waddling over to the water. And finally one of them gets pushed in and if that penguin isn't eaten by a shark then they all jump in. And I suspect that that will probably happen. But institutions move very slowly and cautiously. They'll be the last people to adopt the new currency and they'll only do it if they can't get their business done with existing currency. If they're pessimists they're going to live as pessimists. Next is Glenn Hutchins, chairman of North Island and North Island Ventures and co-founder of Silver Lake Partners, a $26 billion private equity firm, raised an important point regarding the rising interests of banks towards the blockchain technology, during the technical discussions about the future of distributed ledger technology, in a roundtable conference hosted by Brookings Institution. Here's what Glenn Hutchins had to say. The private ledger is equivalent to the internet. Remember when we first had internet? It was kind of good because you could collaborate with people you work with but it didn't transform things until everybody was connected in the seamless world wide web. To think that we can have private blockchains and use that, that makes the banks happy because that gets their costs down. I wouldn't listen much to that kind of stuff, explained Hutchins, basically, banks and leading financial institutions are finding ways to embrace the Bitcoin blockchain technology as a means to reduce site management costs, and, facilitate robust, yet cost-efficient transactions. Replacing Bitcoin with another token or a store of value, while deploying their own centralized blockchain networks, permits banks to develop new generation, blockchain-based, financial systems, for intuitive and real-time settlement, and, transfer of payments and assets. However, Hutchins emphasizes that Bitcoin is more like copper, not gold. The blockchain cannot exist without the currency Bitcoin, as electronics cannot exist without copper. The reason behind that analogy is this. Bitcoin as a network token, is utilized in the blockchain network to transfer value amongst users. Bitcoin's value is derived from its demand, and the unprecedented level of security formed by millions of miners worldwide. Since a technology, and or an independent commodity slash currency of this magnitude cannot be developed, or deployed, by a centralized organization, the precision behind the value of Bitcoin, and its dominance against other cryptocurrencies is beyond individual control. According to Hutchins, the better analogy is copper. Copper is mined, by people, has value, and, is traded on exchanges around the world, continuously. Copper's fundamental use is to serve as a conduit for electricity or voice messages. It carries something that we use. This also describes Bitcoin, as a currency, when used to transfer that value. You can't have the system work without the Bitcoin token moving around according to Hutchins, Blockchain-based payments might revolutionize finance in a similar way that internet companies transformed information and communications, over the past three decades. Imagine if you can move anything of value, around the world at the speed of light at no cost, Hutchins said at the Reuters Global Investment Outlook 2020 Summit in New York. You might think I'm crazy, but one of the things that led to my investment career was, believing, people saying in the mid-1990s, we are going to move information around the world at the speed of light, at no cost. This led to a career that includes helping lead technology-focused private equity firm, Silver Lake Partners, which Hutchins co-founded in 1999. Hutchins helped make the firm, launched during the crest of the dot-com boom, which became an investment target as a giant of technology buyout.
investing through bets in 2000 on disk drive maker Seagate Technology, and online brokerage Ameritrade and, in 2005, software maker SunGuard Data Systems and stock exchange Nasdaq. I can imagine that the financial services industry, looks a lot more like sending an email today, than it does like waiting in line at an ATM, or a teller, he said, noting the high fees and unnecessary time of both. That's what we're driving for. Hutchins left now $43 billion Silver Lake in 2018. Hutchins now makes private equity-style investments through a family office North Island, which he runs with his son James Hutchins. North Island recently led an equity fundraising round for Digital Assets Data, a financial technology and data company, focused on the crypto asset industry. Hutchins said the greatest opportunity in blockchain was not speculating on tokens but in building the virtual infrastructure of new payment systems, even if they were nascent technologies. If we get that right, we can build out companies that can fundamentally change important parts of the financial landscape, he said. In addition to blockchain, Hutchins said he is betting on accelerated growth, outside the United States, especially emerging technology companies in China. Silver Lake made a good bet on Alibaba Group Holding Limited in 2011, and Hutchins said, he is still an investor. Next, is Michael Saylor. Saylor is an entrepreneur, benefactor, and best-selling author. He presently functions as chairman of the board of directors and chief executive of MicroStrategy Incorporated, MSTR. Since co-founding the company at the age of 24, Mr. Saylor has actually developed MicroStrategy into a worldwide leader in business intelligence, mobile software, and cloud-based services. In 2012, he wrote The Mobile Wave, How Mobile Intelligence Will Change Everything, which earned a spot on the New York Times best list. He graduated from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology receiving a B.S. in Aeronautics and Astronautics, and, a B.S. in Science Technology and Society. So, as it turns out, some of the 50,000 attendees, who traveled from all over the world to discuss the first and largest cryptocurrency, felt strongly about the conference, as well as the industry, and have no reservations about expressing themselves in the maximum terms possible. Max Kaiser, host of the Kaiser Report podcast, started his session with MicroStrategy CEO Michael Saylor by shouting we're not selling. Fuck Elon. A number of times, pumping his arms violently and stretching the seams of his luminous white suit. Michael Saylor, Bitcoin bull and the CEO of enterprise analytics software firm MicroStrategy, Saylor, is naming the three main components that he believes comprise the crypto ecosystem. In an interview with CNBC, Saylor lists digital property as the first component of the cryptocurrency universe. He compares Bitcoin to precious real estate in the New York City borough of Manhattan. In that frame, he refers to Bitcoin as the most dominant digital property. Let's talk about the crypto universe. You've got digital property and Bitcoin as the highest, most dominant digital property network. Think of it as granite blocks in Manhattan, in cyber Manhattan, so Bitcoin is meant to last forever. High integrity, very durable. Also according to Saylor, the second component of the crypto universe is digital currency. The largest stablecoin by market cap, Tether, USDT and central bank digital currencies, CBDCs, fall under this category. Then you have got digital currency. That's like tether and stable coins. They want to be money markets in cyberspace. And so they will be like the CBDC dollars. Lastly, according to Saylor, digital applications are the third component of the crypto universe. He points out that the Ethereum smart contract blockchain, which falls under digital applications, poses a significant threat to traditional financial institutions. Maybe, this is what he means by asking what is a dolphin fin dog doing up in a tree? Then you've got digital applications like Ethereum. 
Ethereum wants to dematerialize the JP Morgan building and banking establishment and all of the exchanges. Saylor believes that as the crypto market matures, the three main components will all have different roles to play and each with distinct reasons to coexist. I think as the market starts to understand these things there's a place for everybody, the 2021 conference program covered, global adoption of blockchain technology, institutional investment, including grayscale, microstrategy, ETFs, geopolitical threats and opportunities in blockchain, including regulatory sandboxes, restrictions, decentralized finance, including DeFi, Ethereum killers, yield farming, central bank digital currencies, including stable coins, Tether, and much much more. At the conference on Saturday, a video was shown of Nabe Bukele, the president of El Salvador, stating that a bill to make Bitcoin legal tender in the country had been put into practice. The audience roared in a standing ovation. According to a survey by The Ascent, a financial services rating site, barely 14% of American adults have purchased cryptocurrency. 20% who haven't, said that they plan to this year. An attendee, Sean DePagan, a non-profit executive, bought Bitcoin and another cryptocurrency, Dogecoin, over a year ago, after being encouraged by her nephew and son. Also on June 3rd and 4th, Shitcoin 2021 took place in the heart of Wynwood, conveniently located down the street from Bitcoin 2021. The real question is, why did it happen? Ken Bosick had a bright idea when he and some of his friends had been turned away from sponsoring the largest crypto event the world has seen. So he said, we're gonna do our own conference, and we're gonna call it shitcoin because everything that is not Bitcoin to a maxi is a shitcoin. Well, one month later, there it was. Shitcoin 2021 was meant to highlight inclusivity within the crypto space. Ironically, there was a Bitcoin maximalist speaking at the event. Shitcoin 2021 was dedicated to all the entities that got turned away from participating in the main crypto events. Bitcoin maximalism has its reputation, to some it's a form of supreme sound money to others it can be seen as harsh and toxic. The truth is there's absolutely nothing wrong with Bitcoin maximalism, what's wrong is the exclusive environment that certain individuals create that discredit hardworking and valid projects in the space. The event that started off as a common joke became a reality, thanks to an enormous amount of community effort. Gathering 50 speakers, 20 sponsors slash contributors, and, a strong and passionate community, that event was also worth attending. The best part of all, the entire event was donation-based. Attendees were able to purchase tickets as little as a dollar, and, could donate as much as they want to support the cause. Shitcoin 2021 brought back the grassroots movement within the crypto industry. Bitcoin ATMs also sprinkled the Wynwood neighborhood. A cryptocurrency exchange called FTX, recently bought the naming rights to the Miami Heats Arena. Miami's mayor, Francis Suarez, announced this year that the city would accept tax payments in cryptocurrency, let its employees collect salaries with it and explore holding some on its balance sheet. The logistics of these announcements were still being studied. In our next podcast, which will term Never Say Never, we'll to dovetail on the changes in position of some of these key players like Dalio and Hutchins, we'll next go into a number of global financial institutions who have completely transformed their positions on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. This will give more fuel to those who have been on the right side of the crypto train so far, and, put those still in the doubting column further into the dark. So be sure to catch us next time. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to smash the like button, and, subscribe to our channel. Until next time, let's, stay, busy.